Welcome to the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. My name is Natalie Nidham. I'm a nutritionist, a human potential, and epigenetic coach, and I created this podcast to bring you the latest ways to take control of your health and longevity. We cover it all, from new technology to ancestral health practices, personalized interventions, and a very special interest of mine, peptides. Enjoy the show. Hey folks, welcome back. Today's guest is Dr. Robin Rose. She really hones in on chronic kidney disease, but I think the beauty of this podcast is her personal journey. She lives on the island of Hawaii that is not as well known as the others called Malakai. Her journey started a long, long time ago. She had a, an incredible personal journey that took her to become, she started off in India, kind of as an assistant to a doctor in a fishing village. She then became a nurse practitioner. And then from there, she ended up in med school and right from the beginning followed a very unconventional path in her medical practice. I don't think that Dr. Rose was ever a conventional medical doctor, not with a heart like the one she has, not that, but my conventional medical doctors don't have a heart, but she is really, truly an exceptional human being. She's been a member of my Facebook community for a couple of years now and is a beautiful, always has beautiful contributions to all of the conversations that we have in there or many of them anyway. So the topic is chronic kidney disease and her approach and her journey. We talk about all kinds of different things, both from nutritional strategies. We talk about peptides. We talk about bioregulators. We talk about a lot of stuff. So enjoy the episode and make sure that you send us your comments and questions if you should have any on the other side. Hey, folks, just a little bit of housekeeping before we launch into the episode. Please remember that all of the information provided in these podcasts is for information purposes only. We are never offering treatments, cures, whatever, for any kind of disease or medical condition. Anything you hear about here is going to be intriguing. There's some research around it, but make sure that you check with your medical provider before you go off and do any of this stuff for yourself. All right. So enjoy the episode. And also, if you're looking to connect with me for any reason, with your comments, questions, whatever it may be, you can reach me through my website, which is now natnidham.com, or you can find me on Facebook in the Optimizing Superhuman Performance group, or on MeWe in the Biohacking Superhuman Performance group. And of course, you can also follow me on Instagram, which is at Natalie Nidham. Natalie is with an H between the T and the A, the second A. So thank you so much for being here. Appreciate you guys. Enjoy the episode. Hey folks, just a quick word about a super exciting project I've got coming up this year for the very first time. I'll be co-hosting a five-day intensive retreat, a women's longevity and resilience retreat in beautiful Cabarete, Dominican Republic from March 25th to March 30th. If you want to learn more about this, please go to my website, natnidham.com and click on the retreat tabs at the top of the page. Not only will you learn about your own genetics, but you'll also be learning about your own biological age. We'll be doing live blood cell analysis. We're going to be deep diving into all things biohacking, personalizing it for you. You'll get to have massages, go for hikes, go to the beach, sunrise walks, sunset walks, you name it. We've packed it all in. So to learn more, once again, go to natnidham.com and go to the retreats tab at the top of the page. Also keep an eye on my Instagram account 
I'll be hosting some Instagram lives over the next few weeks so that you can get your questions answered live. That's it. That's all. And I just had to tell you about this really exciting development. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Well, from the beautiful place that is Hawaii, I don't actually even know what island you're on, Robin, but I would like to welcome Dr. Robin Rose to the podcast today. What a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. I am on Molokai. Molokai. Is that like a little island? It's a little island. It's, I look out and I see Maui. Um, most people know about Kalopapa, the leper colony that was yeah. on this island. It's on the north side and very hard to get to. Um, and it's still a very traditional community. It hasn't been overrun like Oahu and Maui. Um, nice. And so, you know, it's about families and rodeos and beautiful. Fishing. Love it. All right. Now, Dr. Rose, you did not get there in a straight line, however. You are not <laughs> a native of Hawaii. Yeah. And we are going to talk about kidney disease today, specifically chronic kidney disease. But this has everything to do with your personal journey. So um, maybe you could give us a little kind of Coles notes. Coles notes is a Canadian thing. I don't know what you guys have in the U.S. Um, but <laughs> cliff notes. <laughs> yeah, cliff notes. Um of your story and how you you got to you got to where you are today because it's a, mm. it's a really good story. I love that. Story. <laughs> well, I am an elder. I am a 1950 baby, and um, grew up in New York and New Jersey. Hit the late 60s, full on interested in natural healing. The media shared a lot about the 60s in terms of the maybe less savory things, but many of us really started to look at changing how we take care of our bodies, how we have babies, what we put in our mouths. And I ended up, um, good fortune, let me take a trip around the world when I was 19. And I ended up living in a fishing village in Southern India and young, naive, I hooked up with the village doctor. And he only saw the Hindus, not the Christians. And, and so, so I was like, what do you mean? Wait a minute. What? You know, Jersey girl here. She's like, no, no, no. So he started mentoring me. Oh, wow. So right. Was he a medical doctor or yes. was he an Ayurvedic doctor? So he, it, this is not Ayurvedic medicine. This is like conventional yeah. Western medicine. Yeah. You know, so I, so I would go see somebody. I didn't know from nothing, honestly, you know, so, so nothing. And then I'd go tell him and he'd tell me, go to the drugstore and buy whatever. So I'd ride my bike to town, go get it, bring it back. And that was the beginning of like, wow, I really like this. Huh. And came back to America in utter culture shock and no <laughs> ended up living in a very rural spiritual community in, in Tennessee and eventually getting a job as a nurse's aide in the very rural hospital. And this, this is interesting. And ended up going to nursing school. 
as an undergraduate degree because I had quit college to go travel and then went and got a nurse practitioner certification with a master's degree, but realized I was not educated. And it was a good program, but I was being expected to know way more medicine than, than I had. And I was in my 30s, young enough to say, I ended up going to med school. Wow. And I, I really thought of going to naturopathic school because my sensibilities were well matched by the attention of the intelligence of the body and engaging in nature first as the way we heal. But I hooked up with Andrew Weil, who also was in Tucson. And and I tell the story as he grabbed hold of my wrist and started twisting and said, we need more people like you in medicine. So I did it. And it was an interesting ordeal. I mean, my story was a bit different in medicine because I had a spouse who died of leukemia while I was in med school. Oh, wow. And it it made life different. You know, it's like what appealed to me. I didn't get involved with a lot of the crazy youthful med student goofiness because I had a spouse who was dying. And And you're a bit older than most of them, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was older. And, and so I actually, because I was a clinician already, I, I was an attending for med students when I was a med student in my nurse practitioner clinic, which was a country clinic outside of Tucson. And, you know, so eventually I just started looking up, like, what herbs would I use for this? What nutritional things? And in my notes, I'd, I'd add things because I already had known a lot of this stuff. People would borrow my notes and go, wow, they talked about this in class. <laughs> I really need to go to class. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, it's like, you were kind of like a functional kind of non-allopathic medical doctor before you were even a doctor. Like correct. you kind of came into it with your own. Yeah. flavor, if you will, of medicine. Absolutely. I mean, and, and there were a lot of us yeah. at that time, you know, it was amorphous. Now, you know, we have, you know, I hung out with Jeff Bland before he called it anything, you know, I, I, wow. I had a tropism for these people and was on the board of the American Holistic Medical Association, the AHMA, as a first-year med student. So I surrounded myself with the likes of Bernie Siegel, Patch Adams, Bill Manahan. I mean, you know, people we know a lot now. Chris Northrup was was the president at one point of the on the board, and you know, and so I did a residency in Santa Rosa, California, where I was actually able to study acupuncture and use it in the hospital. I'd get paged to put needles in, a, in a, a patient laboring who was stuck. It was cool. And it's we amazing. had a homeopathy I thought they only clinic. did that in China or in Australia, I heard they do it in Australia. It wasn't a lot, but you know, I, was, I was needling patients in the hospital and nobody was telling me not to. And you know, putting magnesium in IVs. I mean, I was very allopathic and glad because the training is useful, but I was still, you know, doing other stuff. I mean, we had a homeopathy clinic in our residency. It was kind of cool. And we studied some osteopathic stuff and, you know, it, it was good. And then I ended up going to Ashland, Oregon and 
my first job was so conventional. It was actually very challenging for me. They were very unkind to me and patients. It, it was alarming. And as luck would have it, I began working with David Jones, who is a big IFM old timer and, you know, a good old time friend of Jeff Bland. And so that got me started in how to engage in a primary care practice in that way, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. shuffling people through, but they're not walking out with pills, right? With wisdom. And, and, you know, then I bought a 2000, 2000, no, 3000 square foot building. Part of it I lived in, part of it I renovated. It was an old antique house with antiques in my exam rooms. I wanted it to feel like when you went for a massage. So it was lavender with, it smelled good and (laughs) it was pretty. And I would go out in my garden and come in with stuff. You need to put this in your bath, you know? And so I was really lucky in a community in Ashland, Oregon to be embraced as a doctor who wanted people to engage in a natural lifestyle. You know, I, I mean, I, I taught belly dance for women over 40. So that, Oh my God, that's yeah. hilarious. But you know what? I would say that community was pretty lucky to have you. I mean, they must've been heartbroken when you left. <laughs> I still have, you know, patients who are, we, we talk online. I'm still offering some, some guidance here and there. I'll bet. It, it, was, it, it was a sad story because my practice got embezzled and this right. woman was going around embezzling holistic doctors, it was ripping them off. And, and I just, it was like too much for me because the, the system did not support me. Mm-hmm. It was a huge amount. And they dropped me like a hot potato when a bank got a, a $5,000 theft. And I had yeah. a higher forensic accountants and and went through a lot of a lot of ordeal soul crushing yeah was part of the next chapter of my life in terms of planting stress pavers (laughs) you know I had a lot of things to deal with and it just was overwhelming and and it saddened me that we don't support each other in the way that I needed at the time, my patients did. I mean, and, and, you know, the woman ended up with a three month in-house sentence. For embezzling a a medical practice. Enormous amount, hundreds of thousands of dollars over time. And she had, and she had anyway, neither here nor there because I am fine. Well, and it's all, everything gets you to where you are today. Right. So Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so, you know, so my story kind of kept going. Um, I, I, I got bored, started another practice and then met my husband and decided enough was enough and ended up um, escorting both of my parents to their death, which was beautiful. You know, I, I lived with them and, and it, it was such a blessing. And at, at that point, I was ready to travel and we ended up in Molokai and I ended up getting a viral infection and essentially never really getting better. And my story was I had a very rare kidney tumor. Went back to, to Oregon from, from Molokai to pack and was having blood pressure spikes. 
and wasn't getting very much like, oh, well, here's a blood pressure pill kind of attitude. And I'm like, wait a minute, the story is more complicated than here's a pill. And I demanded a scan and had a nephrectomy because I felt very clear about wanting this removed. And three months later, when I went back for follow-up, I was found to have the very bottom of stage three chronic kidney disease. And as a family physician, I realized that I really wasn't that skilled to guide my own self. What do I do now? Okay, you know, I already was pretty clean in the diet, but, you know, all right, let me tune up my protein or blah, blah, blah. But I really didn't know. And I discovered that my colleagues didn't know either. And when I would see kidney specialists, they would basically say, ah, don't worry about it. And like, I don't feel good. What do you mean? Don't worry about it. You know, it's like, I'm supposed to feel better than this. And I don't. And so I started deep diving because I had an array of abnormal labs and I wanted to be the specialist for myself. And I gratefully discovered Jenna Henderson, who's a naturopath, who guided me to diet and supplements and meditation and, you know, blah, blah, blah. There's a huge lifestyle component to CKD that works. But what I found was that we don't recognize chronic kidney disease until the only lab that we really use much, the glomerular filtration rate, GFR, is based on creatinine, which isn't that accurate, which sideline, by the way, when creatinine just begins to rise, we've already lost 20%. Wow. That's important to realize. So the GFR of 60 represents 50% loss already. That's a huge deal. I mean, we don't, except 50% loss of muscles, of, of brain, of heart. This is a huge deal. And so I came to, in essence, over many years, essentially become an expert in early kidney disease. It, it's become an expertise. I see it as a portal. I enter into whatever I'm learning. How does it influence kidney? And I had a really lovely conversation the other day with Regan Archibald, who is an acupuncturist. And what we were talking about is in Chinese medicine, kidney is is like the portal for life. It's generativity. Yes. It is a root cause of illness. Mm -hmm. And so here we are in, quote, conventional medicine, neglecting 50%. And then... Ah, it's close enough to normal. Don't worry until you're a GFR 30 when nephrology begins to really take interest. And that's 25% function. Well, and if you're a GFR 60, you're heading to GFR 30. Exactly. Like you're not going to stay at GFR 60 indefinitely, right? Like you're exactly. whatever, whatever disease process is taking place is now progressing. And so you're essentially being sent home to progress until you've progressed far enough that they finally have something for you. you. Yeah. You know, and I've had that entertained to me. My stance was I'm old enough 
that I either make this work or that's been a great life. And, right. and by the way, just to speed ahead, I've gotten way better. Um, yeah. So yeah. just in case I get stuck in the bad part of the story, it's not a bad part of the story. You're not getting stuck in the bad part. We're going to keep moving through because we want to get to that place where people take something away from this that is, Absolutely. you know. And when you find out about this, it's like, oh, my God. Yeah, I, I see this a lot. You know, I, I, I chat with a lot of people who have just been diagnosed. And what I discovered is we know a lot. We don't do it. We're in total neglect. And there's a lifestyle plan that I think is healthy for almost everybody. But once kidney function decreases at all, it's a lifetime risk. You know, somebody has like a acute episode and they have serious kidney issue and it gets better. They're still at risk. That's a vulnerability. And there's so much we don't know. But, you know, basically my lifestyle plan is very available to all of us. Learning about kidney diet is, is a bit of a, a steep curve. It's different for everybody. So you have to know your own labs and... Yet, in my mind, toxins are the big deal. Right. Because next to the liver, the, t- the kidneys are the big filters in the system. Absolutely. And, you know, right. think Just about... in their own way. Like... Think about they, tubules. Yeah. Like tiny little delicate... Like I've always thought of kidneys kind of like lungs, right? There's very delicate structures that right. are so finely tuned and yet can be so susceptible to damage because they're delicate and yet expected to carry this massive load. Absolutely. And responsibility. We're not as a conventional community acknowledging environmental toxins, dietary toxins. It's it's just not hardly part of the conversation, even though we know heavy metals damage the tubules. And here's another piece of this. Mostly we focus on glomerulus. Oh, you know, because we have the GFR. Okay, guess what? It's tubules that get damaged first. Mm-hmm. You don't have markers for that. You know, glyphosate damages tubules. I don't want to eat that. Um, you know, and, and, and there's specifics like potassium elevation. It's a tubule issue. Phosphorus elevation. You find these things on labs. It's a tubule issue. So... You have to know to protect yourself, you know, and, and, and self-protection. I, I did a, a paper on, on self-preservation that's innate in the human. It comes with infant reflexes. Mm-hmm. And the paper, which I wrote in the 80s, was what happens that people lose the self-protective innate nature. And with kidney disease, it's like, you got to do it. You have to well, I know. Think it's- I think it's ignorance, right? People don't, we, we're not taught how to care for our, this body. We really aren't. And because I think we become so disconnected from our physical body in so many different ways, you know, and I think part of it also is because the body has this incredible capacity to deal with all the shit we throw at it, pardon my language, people, um, yeah. we get lulled into this false sense of security thinking that, oh, we're fine. I can just eat this. I can just do this. I'm fine. I'm fine. But what we don't realize, and what you're alluding to here, is the damage that's happening under the hood progressively year after year after year. And by the time it shows up, 
It's a big deal. It's, it's become a big deal, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so what are, so Robin, what are the labs that people should look at? I mean, obviously there's, there's your GFR, which you're going to get from your conventional doc and the conventional you know, labs are incredibly helpful. Okay. So what is it that people are looking for? So, like, you know, you get a CBC and, yeah. you know, you want to look at all of those indices. Anemia happens later in CKD, but there are people in earlier CKD who become anemic and, and it's, it's not. Why, why, how is anemia related to CKD? Um, Cause because EPO is made in the kidney. And so, oh, of course, you know, a lot of things are, I mean, the kidney does way more than just filter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Honestly, pleomorphic little gizmo. And we were talking about melatonin also, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of things, vitamin D. Vitamin D. Yes. It's, it's a major yeah. stop in the kidney. <laughs> and so, and, and I have this ongoing discussion about is 25 hydroxy D or 125-dihydroxy-D, the appropriate test for CKD. Um, I believe that it's the 125 because the 25 is made in the liver and that may look fine. Yeah, well, and, you know, it's an interesting, I'm sure you know this, like there's uh, in our genetics, like I know that my enzyme to clear the 125 is actually downregulated. So my 125 status is not reflected in my 25 OH. Right. So my 25 OH can be low, but my 125 might be fine because it's getting backed up, but I don't know that. Yeah, and exactly. so I keep getting told, we'll take more D3, take more <laughs> D3 because nobody's measuring my, my 125. And a lot of people are in this boat. Like I'm not the only one. Right. And, and it's, you know, I think the 125 test costs, I don't know, 50 bucks, 60 bucks. Yeah, and it's not covered apparently by insurance. No, so but you know, it's a good place to spend your money. Absolutely. It's a few trips to Starbucks that you'll have to skip, but oh, yes. maybe three. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no thanks. But you know, so CBC is helpful. A, a, a metabolic panel, you know, the usual panel has so much. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to know what your glucose is. You know, diabetes yeah. either exists and causes kidney or kidney causes insulin resistance and diabetes. You know, that, that gives you, let's start being smart, pretend I have diabetes and eat like that, cut out sugar, please. And so, um, you know, the, the creatinine is on there. Some labs will put a GFR, but maybe not. You have to order it separately. You also have to order phosphorus separately. And it's a very important piece of this. But, you know, liver functions are useful. The CO2 is a big deal with kidney disease. I mean, it's only one moment in time. But CO2 yeah. basically is, is bicarb. And bicarb gets low in kidney disease. And metabolic acidosis does happen in stage three. I've seen it so often. And it's ignored. And it's like my story. I mean, I've, I'm like plant crazy. I grow them, I eat them, I ferment them. But I still was a little bit too acidic, despite all that, because the slope with kidney, you might be doing everything right, you're going to need a few more tools. Mm -hmm. And So as I told this story, I went to the local thrift store and a brand new bottle of like a thousand bicarb tablets was there for very cheap. It wasn't even opened and it wasn't expired. And I 
took this as a message from God, started taking, you know, bicarb. Um, my potassium normalized, my uric acid normalized, my PTH normalized, and my phosphorus normalized. And so how much bicarb? You just start your day with it, right? In the morning? I actually do it at night. Oh, you do it at night. I don't know why, because because I'm not awake in the morning too well. And so I don't like All right. Well, whatever. So like just like a half a teaspoon or a teaspoon? A half or? a teaspoon works. In water. It's good. I mean, the pills are a little bit less and it worked for me. I also got some magnesium citrate that I cook with because citrate's another thing that alkalinizes. And most people are magnesium deficient. deficient. You know, yeah. severely ill kidney patients really ought to get monitored for their magnesium. I think everybody should anyway, but mm-hmm. you know, so the, the, that's one that many conventional docs don't do. And you really want an RBC, not just a serum. It doesn't really help you know what to do. So, you know, so those labs are important. A urinalysis, a basic urinalysis will tell you a lot. You know, the, the fact that some people spill protein is an enormous issue. Yeah. Right there, that tells you you have kidney disease and you need to change your diet, lower your salt and lower your protein. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're in a phase of like a lot of carnivore issue and people pump in the protein. And if you have kidney disease, you do not want to do that. Mm-hmm. They don't. You know, I mean, there's there's been a lot of study. Some people will say 0.6 grams of protein per kilogram, which is yeah, quite body low. Um, yeah. uh, you know, I think 0.6 to 0.8 is reasonable and even reasonable for most people, even. Yeah. You know, not- I mean, it depends, right? It depends on your lifestyle. If you're, if you're an Uber athlete, you might need a little bit more, but exactly. or if somebody's wasting then you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. But still, but, you know, yeah. it's like, start with what would be, you know, so I, I, Got myself on chronometer and I got a scale. It was a pain in the rear. I love it. How do you make soup and measure what you put in there? But it is critical. And that's a take home is get going with chronometer. Who knows how much selenium they're taking? You know, I mean, there are so many things on there. Like, do you know what your day's fatty acids look like? I mean, it's, it's free and it's brilliant. And then you can kind of start doing your own personal fine-tuning hack. You know, my potassium was elevated. I quit eating foods that were high in potassium and found, okay, I can eat eggplant and arugula. They're great, you know. And then gradually, as I improved, I've even been eating some white potatoes thrown in a scoop. So there, maybe the odd banana here and there. And uh, slices of banana and... But you said that the bicarb helps to normalize a lot of these things. And, and that's why I'm able now. And I yeah. wasn't at the beginning, you know, I mean, and nobody told me to do it. Yeah, that's such an important point, though, because I th- and we were we'll talk about the heavy metals in a minute as well. And that is that when we're talking about the body and something being elevated or something being low, what gets lost in that conversation is that nothing nothing in the body exists in isolation and it's always being balanced out by something else. There's always a ratio or there's, there's a teeter totter at play. And if we just try to even like omega three and omega six, right. We tell people your omega six is too high. And so they start cutting the omega six, but part of the solution is also increase the omega three. 
And so just like you can't correct the ratio just by eating more omega-3, you can't correct the ratio without also reducing the omega-6. And I think when you're talking about phosphorus or potassium or anything, it's what are the other minerals? What are the other factors that would balance this out so that you don't make yourself absolutely bonkers, try and remove it in every single food that you eat? You can't. And, And that's really allopathic to think of it that way. You know, mm-hmm. oh, potassium, let's smack potassium. I mean, one of the people I had a, a patient group, a kidney group on, on Facebook, and, and one wonderful woman I love dearly basically was like, I hate potassium. It's evil. <laughs> and I'm like, no, you don't. You would be you dead it. without it. <laughs> you know, we're talking balance. And I love the term hormesis. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, some things that go wrong are actually adaptations to deal. Yeah. So is it wrong? Maybe, you know, I need that. But if I fix my other things, you know, um, I mean, you know, my 12-step program includes fix your sleep, fix your hydration, fix your stress, get rid of toxins everywhere in your life, including people. Yeah. Seriously, you know, learn how to study. You know, there, there's, there's a lot of, of these strategies. What are you doing to have fun? What are you doing in your prayerful meditative place? Because that's going to change the autonomic aspect. It's an autonomic disease. Mm-hmm. All of these things. And so um, I went about discovering nutrient supplements you know, everything supplements and have long lists of things. In fact, I take quite a few things. I vary them by the day. Um, you know, the whole redox thing with, N- with NAD is, is a huge piece to this. Fatigue is enormous with kidney disease. I mean, almost everybody says they have it. The tubules have the highest level of mitochondria than pretty much any other part of the body. And so mitochondrial wisdom, yeah, you know, I mean, there are so many transporters, so much going on. I mean, I I call kidney disease an illness of discernment. It's Raja Yoga. At every moment, those tubules are having to decide what to keep and what to get rid of. And toxins and oxalates are damaging them. And so it's like, we want these. And, And tubules, think of tubules like the small intestine. Similar, similar role, you know, this discernment. What do I keep? And so I looked at that as a meditative analogy in my whole life. My own thoughts, how I hold my body. You know, heart rate variability, you know, all of these things that we know, you can look it up and it does affect kidney because kidney is the degenerative and it affects absolutely every part of the body. I mean, everything I've looked up, the left nostril, you can find what CKD does to it. I mean, it's quite Come on. <laughs> And yet everybody has a little different collage with what they have. So as a clinician, I mean, as a patient as well, you know, you just have to look at what, what array do I have and how do I deal with it? What are my priorities? You know, what, what aren't I good at? Mm-hmm. You know, I have times where I'm like, wah, 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 and I don't exercise enough. So it's like, okay, I'm getting it together. 
Yeah. Come on, you can do this. You know, I'm well, my own cheerleader. I need to be hydrated better. You know, and so each of us has to go through this, like honestly learn what are the things and then what to do. And truth be told, I found that once one engages in all of this stuff, and it's not a little amount, it's not trivial, it's optional, but then I don't really want to have somebody tell me I need dialysis. I'm mm-hmm. committed. And that commitment works. Um, I, as I told you before, I, I renamed early kidney disease renology, which is the yes. art and science of kidney success. Love it. Turning vicious cycles into precious cycles. It takes motivation. And when I found peptides, I was about to bring those up. I was so happy you did. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, it, it's like all of the things that I'd been doing, I, they worked. I mean, you know, for, for people who are listening, I started out with a GFR of 30 with one kidney, feeling like a piece of dog poop. I didn't feel good. Started working on all this stuff. I mean, and I live in paradise. I was there, you know, with a machete. I'm trying to, I didn't feel good. And as I started learning stuff, I got it up to like 36. I was like, yeah, I'm better. And then it kind of cruised into the 40s. It's very slow. And that's the thing. Slow it down means I had to slow everything about myself down. Mm-hmm. Slow down. And, and that's, that takes time. All these dietary changes, they take time. You don't want to start when you're really sick. Early on, you can kind of like, what do I need to do? What shifts do I need to do? Okay, I got myself up to 51. Wow. I love that. Started doing peptides. I just did labs, and it was 57. Wow. And I haven't yet wow. started with bioregulators except for Epitalin. And, and so I have basically taken all of this groundwork that I've done and, you know, turned it into like, what are the concepts that a non-conventional mind could use? Inflammation is everybody with kidney disease has inflammation and oxidative stress. Yeah. And we know plenty about that. And peptides take everything you're doing. I I heard somebody yesterday say, basically peptides without nutrition don't work. I love that. I mean, I don't think it's 100% true, but I like the idea. In other words, don't just take a pill. Don't just- Yeah, well, I, I, think, I think, yeah, exactly. I think the sentiment behind that is don't just think you're going to keep living your crappy lifestyle, eating your crappy diet and use the peptide and have everything fall into place. But, yeah. you know, the rock star, one of the rock stars for kidneys, which I, you know, it, this is a peptide that never ceases to amaze me. Um, because I, I often refer to it as the model T Ford of the peptide world, (laughs) because it's, it's almost like no matter what you're talking about, it comes up and that's our friend BPC one five seven seems to, is is insane. I mean, I, I took Bill Seed's book and, and went through it and noted everything about kidney. I mean, and, and BPC, which was, I started with BPC because my nitric oxide was just stuck. It wouldn't get up. Everybody with CKD needs to be taking Berkeley Life Pro. I know we have a, I have an episode coming up with that. And arugula, and it still may not go up. Well, BPC does that. And that was my portal to discover 
the array, I mean, first of all, CKD is a dysbiotic condition. Just know that. The, you know, the tight junctions get damaged by uremic toxins that end up in the bowel. They slip on in and cause inflammatory changes and systemic inflammation that damages kidney in huh. a vicious cycle. And so right away, go get your dysbiosis dealt with Yeah, and yeah. ferment your food and eat it every day with every meal, have fermented food. You know, that way, maybe you need the pills, maybe you don't. Um, and, and so BPC is like a glorious gift mm-hmm. to all GI everything, you know, from dysbiosis and SIBO and, you know, uh, you know also stomach acid in, in CKD is a huge thing because already there's nutrient aberrations and transporter abnormalities that make even what you eat, it's not getting where it needs to go. And yet BPC will assist that. Right. Well, and taking digestive enzymes and HCL. Absolutely. Is a big thing too, right? And I would, and I would imagine that betaine HCL with that animal protein, when you are eating it is again, it's going to help. It's going to help to break that stuff down so that your body can at least absorb more of it. But we know that there's so much nitrogen waste with protein, which is, you know, it's one of the reasons why we were talking about the essential amino acids earlier and how they may play a role in helping people with CKD to bump up their protein intake without actually eating protein, but I'm going to introduce and, and nitrogen is one piece of, of the animal protein, but the phosphorus issue gets right. neglected. It actually gets like minimized and ridiculed, which I, I don't yeah. understand because phosphorus in kidney disease is part of why bones lose density and arteries gain calcification. That's, That's crazy. And horrible. And early on, even in stage two, it's beginning. And it's ignored. FGF23 is a lab that does start going up in stage two. And so here's what I found out because my phosphorus was elevated and now my bones are, you know, over the years of figuring this out, I have accumulated damage that I am looking to fix. But um, the phosphorus in animal foods is absorbed about 80%. The phosphorus in plant foods is bound as a phytate and is absorbed about 40%. Interesting. So that's an issue. I I mean, I have an unfortunate piece of my story is the urologist who did my cancer surgery left me with a damaged distal bowel. I cannot take binders. I get obstipation. It's absolutely ridiculous. And to fix it, I mean, it's way better. It's way better with some, you know, body work and various tools. But most people don't have this problem and can use binders. Kytosan and bentonite will swab up uremic toxins as well as phosphorus. No kidding. And alkalinize, and then it's less of a problem. And then you can eat more optimally, like, you know, red meat for kidney, sometimes. 
Mm-hmm. I know some people eat way too much, and I think it, it's just too much for a kidney system. On the other hand, I don't think you have to eat none. Hey, folks, just a quick message from our sponsor this episode, which is Magnesium Breakthrough by by Optimizers. And the timing for this message literally could not be better because how many of us feel like after two months packed with holiday family fun and end of your work obligations that we might be feeling a little stressed, a little worn out, and maybe lacking a little motivation. And that I think we can all agree is definitely not how we want to start the new year. So if you're feeling like this, if you feel like you need a holiday from your holidays, I have a great solution for you. You can start taking magnesium breakthrough every night before you go to bed. Why? Because stress depletes your magnesium levels and magnesium is critical for getting deep restorative sleep. The reason magnesium breakthrough in particular is so effective is because it's the only organic full spectrum magnesium supplement that includes all seven unique forms of magnesium for stress relief and better sleep, all wrapped up in a single bottle for you. The challenge is that most magnesium supplements fail because they're synthetic and only contain one or two forms of magnesium, which just can't get the job done. When you get all seven critical forms of magnesium, pretty much every function in your body gets upgraded from your sleep to your brain, from stress to pain and inflammation. Even better, by making magnesium breakthrough part of your daily routine, you'll get to feel fully rested, recharged, and ready to crush all of your New Year's goals. For an exclusive offer for my listeners, just go to magbreakthrough.com forward slash Bionat and use code Bionat10 to save 10% when you order Magnesium Breakthrough. And one last thing before we go, Magnesium Breakthrough, I can assure you, is best in class. There's really nothing else like it. However, if for some reason you feel differently, you can get a full refund up to a full year after your purchase. No questions asked. So recharge yourself and get ready to crush those New Year's goals by going to magbreakthrough.com forward slash Bionat and use code Bionat10 now to get your exclusive 10% discount. And now back to the episode. You know, one of the things that I discovered that I, I loved, I, I learned this very early on, is Acacia Senegal is from a a particular acacia tree and it's the sap that they dry. You can get it as a powder, um, Heather's um, tummy fiber. Um, It is an incredible swab of creatinine and toxins in the bowel. It is a stimulus for butyrate, which does get low in CKD. And So you end up having, um, that's a tool. Start low, one teaspoon a day, gradually increase to five. You've got to hydrate or you end up with cement. Yeah, (laughs) like so many binders, actually. Yeah, so the hydration piece of kidney disease is obvious. And some people can overhydrate. So there's there's a hormesis for everything. And it's- What about electrolytes? You know, it all depends. Because there's sodium in electrolytes, right? And so can that be an issue for kidney disease? Yeah, I, think, I think lowering sodium is, is wise in kidney disease. That doesn't mean eliminate it. Some people overdo it. Yeah. Um, you need a couple thousand. You need some. But, but, you know, and again, it's personal. But I wonder if taking electrolytes and not salting your food, for example, if you have, I mean, or minimizing salt on your food, if you were using electrolytes where, again, 
we're bringing um, the sodium to the body in conjunction with many of the other minerals that hopefully will balance it. There's still things that, that are on my deep dive list. And yeah. talking to you is really helpful because it's like everybody I talk to, got, I, I, I want to know this. You know, yeah. and so I'm interested to teach rhenology to mm-hmm. our primary care mind, to all of us, because yeah. it's really a different approach to kidney. And Chinese medicine teaches that kidney is fear, you know, that the emotion of fear works with kidney. Yeah. And it's huge. I mean, I've had to dance with fear so much, so interesting. And yet to overcome that, to gain control, to empower yourself overcomes the fear so that, you know, the, the, the mind body part of kidney disease is not optional. No. Meditative yeah. time is critical. And, you know, there are, some people who say a little bit of alcohol is useful. I'm not so convinced, but you know, whatever the strategy, there are states. alcohol. Yeah, really, teeny bits. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not a drinker, so I, I you know, I, I don't do that. Uh, I do other things that help you relax and think that they're very helpful for kidney, but I prefer not to talk about it on on this. Yeah. You can use your imagination. Um, I think that there are. Um, gizmos these days that are very helpful, you know, get an aura ring. We took mine off. Um, you know, the heart rate variability thing. I think the heart rate um, variability monitor, the, um, the heart math HRV. Yeah. Is a very is such a great little tool and it's not that expensive and it yeah. really teaches you to self-regulate. I think it's, it's very much overlooked so often for the fancier, shinier stuff. Right. And, and, and these are all real, medical treatments for early Mm -hmm. disease. I mean, not to go, oh, well, I don't know about this. Yeah, there's, I mean, I have data that could validate why you want to do this. I don't need all the data. It's so clear and obvious, you know, it's like we really can turn this around. Yeah. But not unlike the the other pandemic, because kidney disease is a real pandemic and early bird kidney like early bird, the other thing will actually turn it around. Hmm. But if we wait until GFR 60, it's harder. Yeah, it is. It's crazy. So on the peptide front, so you talked about BPC 157, which is, you know, a a superstar for kidney. What about something like, um, I'm just throwing stuff out. I don't Go for you're it. You're the one that you're the expert in this, but what about something like KPV to help to manage inflammation or Thymus and alpha one would be another one. You know, I'm trying to figure out how do you enter? We all have different ways that we like entering with peptides. And, and I tend to be a BPC enter. Oh, for me too. I've heard other people say, you know, use like CJC as uh, epimoral. CJC causes a lot of problems. I actually think if not BPC, then TA1. And, and, And I actually think those two together. Yeah. And maybe even adding... TB4, which I have a question about the frag versus the whole TB4, but that's another conversation. But, you know, fibrosis is the end of the line with kidney disease, no matter what the cause. And so, so much of what peptides do interfere at various levels of that pathway to getting, because everybody's route in 
mm-hmm. unique. You yeah. Know? And there's an array. I don't think of these things as comorbidities. I think it's part of the syndrome. Yeah. Well, it's all part so, of the same. So definitely. And as I told you, I mean, I'm a notebook freak. And so, you know, I've, I've gone through fibrosis, TB4. Um, yeah. Eye disease is something with kidney believe it or not. BPC. Well, it's, but it's because it's vascular, right? It's all going to be affected by the same thing. And this is where Bingo. we come to our friends, um, the bioregulators and where, yeah. you know, I know this is your next frontier in chronic kidney disease in terms of your deep dives. We'll but, do another talk when I have those all together. Yeah. But you know, but we have a bioregulator for the blood vessels. We have a bioregulator for the kidneys. We have a bioregulator for the heart, which is in my mind, part of that whole system, like they're absolutely there's right? no doubt the brain, heart, and kidney are one organ. Yeah, like they're it part moves of that. different neighborhoods. That's system. similarities and, and the influences aren't separate. So, yeah, I mean, cardiorenal is so real. Exactly. And so real that, like we talked about before, mostly when people are in stage three, they die of heart disease. It's not <laughs> it kills them first. Yeah. 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 Yeah, which is not funny at all. Well, and then the cartilage one, which we don't talk about nearly enough, right? People think the cartilage bioregulator, it's for the joints. And it's like, yeah, except for the part where, you know, collagen and elastin are so critical to the heart and the kidney. Yeah, (laughs) the whole actin thing with with TB4 is is very interesting. I have a bunch of that that I need to put together. I mean, you know, but my list, I mean, the bone. You know, that's when maybe mess around a little bit with, with the growth hormone class. Yeah, growth hormone secreted. DA65 yeah. helps with bone, I, I have found out. You know, uh, IL-6, that whole inflammatory thing. There, there are, you know, I mean, I'm putting all these together. C-Lank lowers IL-6 and anxiety and the autonomic aggravation that CKD causes is huge. He, everybody says, you know, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm scared. It's, it's not an emotional thing. It's chemical. Physical. Yeah. And, and so, you know, what's anxiety? I, I, my mom actually had kidney disease. She had a renal artery stenosis and was totally mismanaged. I mean, it was terrible when I think back about it. And she had enormous anxiety and they just kept dumping drugs on her. Mm-hmm. Like, no, she's, she's hypoxic. She has congestive heart failure. And that makes you anxious. <laughs> Your brain anxiety is, is, is a good thing. It's telling you something's going on. Pay attention. Don't just shove yeah. Valium on top of it and ignore the congestive failure, which you died from. But anyway, you know, I mean, we have so many tools. You know, hypertension is a huge one. DCIP, BCP, tessimorelin, and TA65. We have some choices. You know, I mean, there, there's so many benefits. I mean, I thought, what, I, um, carnosine is an ACE yes. inhibitor. It's an ACE inhibitor. Are you kidding wow. me? I think carnosine is, is, is another. The tiny ones with kidney are wonderful. Right. You know, and so I mean, I like what about a DHK. Have you looked at that in kidney? Because it has so many yes, wide ranging yes. benefits. And it's another one of the little ones, the yes. little tiny one. Yeah, yeah, I like that. It it isn't my first rung. No, you know, so so yeah. I think cycling these it m- makes a lot of sense. You know, it's like do some labs, figure out what you know what's what's calling right now. 
because it's going to change. Yeah. You know, every time you do labs, it's like, okay, we have a new adventure. <laughs> What's come up now? Um, and you talked earlier about also how kidney disease is a mitochondria, is very much a disease yes. of mitochondria. Profoundly right? so. In, in, in fact, the tubules, which is where the action is, is a huge mitochondrial reserve or yeah. cell. And, and so um, MOTS and SS31 are wonderful. Interesting. Because I always think of modesty as more of a skeletal muscle kind of. I know. I know. And, 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 and realizing that skeletal muscle and kidney have an association. I mean, wasting sure. is very common. Even somebody who looks normal, if you get a, a, a dex of their muscles are smaller and their fat is bigger. You know, mm. and so some of the peptides that actually work at that level to not make fat, but to actually, you know, make muscle and cartilage tissue. That's, that's something that's very appealing with peptides. It's like all the efforts you put in, it's like, it kind of like, you know, gets, gets the lawnmower going, you know, you're ready. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, I love all of these. Um, Epitalon, I think is a wonderful, um, like a, kind of like bring hormesis together. You know, it's, it's such an array. And, and we, you know, we know that premature aging is kidney disease. Whatever it is, it's accelerated. I mean, my hair grayed, my skin changed way faster. You know, I mean, okay, I'm, I'm 70. I love saying that. I'm like, really? How do you I-? look fantastic. I don't know. I- my my, uh, my t- telomere length and my, it, it made me look, like a 50 year old. Good. Yeah. That's, what, that's what you're looking for, right? Exactly. You know, and, and, and that vitality is possible by all the lifestyle stuff and have fun, you know, stop reading the news and adding, <laughs> adding these lovely tools to really just go, okay, you can go now. You know, I love the idea of messaging and signaling and having mm-hmm. it. And I meditate on this. I mean, I'll do peptides and actually envision that there's messaging going on. I mean, it's, it's really curious stuff, you know. I, I could feel the change in my brain with epitalin. Yeah, well, it's, it's a powerful, you know, I, people have said to me a couple of times, you know, if you could only have one, what would it be? And I think for me, it would be epitalin because it's, you know, it's as far upstream as you can get. It's a master endocrine regulator. It, there's so many downstream effects from that one little four amino acid chain. <laughs> it's, yeah, uh, it, it would be the chosen child. So, so Miss Dr. Robin Rose, <laughs> when's the book coming out? Because I, you know, we're all sitting here listening to this going, this is amazing. And there's some great information here, but I know that you're very focused on training and teaching other physicians and practitioners in terms of everything that you've really worked for. I mean, you said, I think you started, you said 2013 is when you got your first diagnosis of your own CKD with starting with the tumor. Um, And then, um, and, you know, as you had said to me, once you have one kidney, you automatically Yep. are kind of on that path. Yeah. So, um, 
So what's your next step? Because I know that like, again, like you're training other physicians or at least working to educate them. Right. Um, are you going to write that book? I think you need to write the book. I know I need to write that book. And, and I wasn't really sure what I was putting together until I found peptides. Yeah. And now I know. Renology yeah. peptides. Yeah. And, and again, I, I, you know, the lead up to using the peptides is as important as using the peptides. And yet, For sure. I really want to put it together as a peptide guide because all of those things, like I could talk about mitochondrial issues. Well, you know, okay, get tested, take your CoQ. It's low in CKD, of course. And yet, you know, you're not quite there. Start some peptides. You know? mm-hmm. But but I think I think you could be, you know, if you saw a CKD patient, if you are the CKD patient, you could start with BPC, no brainer. You can get it orally, you know, if if you wanna be brave and, and inject it. That's 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 good. You know, another one that, that I'm looking into that I resisted at first, I was like, no, is um, pentasan. Oh, pentasan polysulfate? Really? I resisted it. I mean, I was actually, I did a consult with, with a peptide physician, and it was absolutely a, a, a very bad experience. Oh, um, sorry to hear that. Yeah, it was really unfortunate. <laughs> um, but the recommendation included pentasan with, with no education. That was part of it. I'm like, that's a drug for, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to take that stuff. You know, I mean, there's a lot of tools that we have. That wouldn't be my first tool. But if you have somebody who's stuck, there's, there's value, you know? And so, so here's my book. Maybe I could just publish this with my messy notes. It'd be easier. <laughs> I think, I think you could find someone to help you with that. So I just, <laughs> I, I want to help her. anybody listening. If you want to be my assistant, get in touch with me. I need help. Okay. So, but I think that, you know, there's a few things that I've pulled out of our conversation that I think are, are good takeaways for people. And that is that, you know, certain, certain supplements that people ne- really need to watch um, is the, obviously the magnesium, but the CoQ10 nitric oxide we talked about earlier, and there's different ways of increasing nitric oxide. And one of them as simple as taping your mouth shut at night, which, right. you know, people look at you like you're crazy when you talk about it, including your husband, for example, like my husband. <laughs> <laughs> and I assure him it's going to make everything better. He doesn't even have CKD, but I'm promising him that, you know, there's all these amazing magical things are going to happen because it increases your nitric oxide production. But um, yeah. things like watching homocysteine is another one. People don't think homocysteine in kidneys. Um, and then something as simple as half a teaspoon of baking soda and water once yes. a day. And frankly, you don't, again, you don't even need to have chronic kidney disease, which is CKD guys, if, in case we didn't say this earlier, um, to, yeah. to benefit from that baking soda, just to alkalize the, the system or help the body to maintain its, its balance, its pH yeah. balance. Because but even if you're doing an impeccable alkaline diet with kidney disease in some cases it still is very difficult to stay alkaline enough to be protective right okay um and then what else was there omega you know i think some people might want to get snip tests 
you know, yeah. look, look genetic tests. Yeah. And then, you know, that there's supplementing to do there. There are some really lovely um, renal dietitians who are functional, who are looking into genomics. And I think that's going to add a lot. Um, you know, a good multivitamin can be a good thing. There are a few things to be careful about, you know, to, to, to watch out for. That'll all be in the book. But um, well, the phosphorus you talked about, right. you know, I mean, phosphorus is a huge deal to me. And unfortunately, most of the conventional nephrology hasn't really embraced the importance of it. But, you know, when phosphorus is even in the normal range, it can start taking calcium from the bones, which is not good, and putting it in the blood vessels, which is terrible, which is demise. Yeah, the end of the line kind of thing. And so by changing to more plant-based protein, you're getting a lot less phosphorus absorbed um, using scents with binders, you know, and, and clay and that kind of thing. But, you know, it's doable. Yeah, it sure um, sounds like it is. You know, I mean, I take a lot of stuff. I take NAC, I take ALA, I take low-dose lithium. I, I don't even remember anymore. NAD, you know, I, I, Tudka is a lovely one because, um, you know, there's a, there's, every organ is affected by kidney and, you know, gallbladder secretion can be sluggish and everything gut is kidney. And so there's every reason, yeah. you know, to, to, to be aware. And maybe you personally don't have that problem, but you might, you know, and, well, and, and you can prevent it. All of it at once. And you can even prevent, you may be able to slow things down or prevent it before it becomes an yeah. issue because from the sounds of it, it's so, um, it seems to be much more, if we, if we believe that CKD really begins at much higher levels of GFR than what's being recognized, Yes. then it's like anything else, right? It's just this progression of disease that doesn't get recognized until it's really far down the road. So if you started to do some of these things preventatively, could you potentially just- I have seen it happen repeatedly. Yeah. You know, the, the, the classic where the person goes back to the doctor and said, oh, well, the diagnosis was wrong. <laughs> All right. I'll take it. Okay, fine. <laughs> if that makes you feel good, I'm good with that. <laughs> All right. So how do people get in touch with you? Do they get in touch with you? I know that you're a one woman show right now. So we're going to ask our listeners, for those of you who really desperately want to connect with you, I think, do you want to talk a little bit about the Facebook community that you have, or is there another way that people can? Sure. I, you know, I, I started with a Facebook group for patients and I think I blew them away with science. Oh, well, yeah, it can happen. You know, I over, I, I overdid the studies and people were like, nobody said anything. And then I decided I, I what I really needed to do was be talking to clinicians because you oh, tell somebody, go talk to your doctor. The doctor doesn't know. I don't worry. That, that wasn't a good cycle. And so I, I have now what I'm calling a functional kidney group. Okay. And what that means, and it's for, it's for clinicians. Okay. It's not for patients at this point, because what I want is let us begin a discussion. 
what are we what are we doing? And, and honestly, I think I'm blowing them away with the science. I, I find all right. They can handle it. Gorgeous papers. I mean, there's so much available. And so people can find me, you know, private message me on on Facebook. I'm I'm a slow poke, but but I can get it. And I am. Uh, <laughs> and I. And I uh, you know, I, I could be emailed, but like like you say, I'm a one one girl show at the moment, and so it, it it I might be a slow responder, but I'm happy for you to put my email in the in the show notes. Show notes. Okay. And, I, and if you want, I can say it. It's Doc Bina, D O C B I N A H. Bina is a is a Kabbalah term for um, the supernal mother. Oh, nice. So B I N like November A H at gmail.com. Beautiful. Amazing. Well, Dr. Rose, it's been a pleasure. I really love this conversation. So thank you so much. I agree. I, 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 this is, is a bit of a um, maiden journey for me in starting to publicly talk about renology peptides and honestly, how you do what you do is is so pristine and beautiful. And so thank you for being my, my maiden voyage on really saying we can do this. Thank you. Well, thank you for choosing me. I think this is, (laughs) you're doing amazing work and it's really important. So I can't wait to be, get you back here when you're going to be telling people about your book and when it's coming out. And what the name of it is, it's going to have renology in there somewhere. And, <laughs> and um, hopefully it won't be too long. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yay. Aloha, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to leave us a five-star review on iTunes because that's what helps us to be heard and to be seen. If you'd like to connect with me directly, or if you'd like to leave any comments, or if you have any questions about this episode, please reach out to me directly through my website, natnidham.com. And of course, if you're not already a member of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Community on Facebook, that's where you'll find me every day. It's a short application. Just answer a couple of questions and you're in and interfacing with other amazing biohackers. Thanks again, and we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode.